say that it's somebody and I mean, who's going to say otherwise? They're just going to call it a bad impression. They're not going to say you're wrong. Hello, everybody. This is Ralph Fiennes. This is my real voice. And this is That Was a Hoot, a Rocco's Modern Life recap series, episode 22. <laughs> That's not what I expected. That's how Ralph Fiennes talks. Okay. <laughs> hey, Shad, what's, uh, oh, we're doing wh- this again. what's invisible but you wish people could see? Love. Love. You wish people could see love that they shared to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Could you, like... If it was visible, what do you think it would look like? It would be an aura, I think. <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, if you saw it, it would be more of, like, an aura. Like, a, almost like a... Like a glowy? A glow. Around the body or, like, in, like, a chest. Like, you'd see it, like... That's the... I mean, then you're implying that love comes from the heart, which is just the muscle that pumps blood through your body. Not necessarily. I just meant like it was just hovering there. (laughs) I guess it could be by your crotch if you wanted it to be or on your knee. I mean, (laughs) I would say maybe your your noggin, if it's going to glow a certain spot like your head, because like, sure, then your love parts of your brain are igniting. That's fine. I mean, you're thinking more into it than I thought you would. But I mean, if the head's where you want it to glow, that's fine. I just meant you think it would be one centralized location, or no, like because I feel like your body. aura kind of is strong. What color around. do you think it is? Uh, love. I don't know. You, you think it's it could, white? I don't. I don't think it's white. No. Black. Um, no. I'm gonna. I was gonna say either like you could that you immediately it goes to like a red, red or pink. but like red's anger though when you think about that kind of thing as well. So like. Maybe a yellow. A yellow is a very happy color. Is it? Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I that I don't know. I'd have to actually look and see like what auras kind of mean or relate to one another. You think, is there a color like? Is there something yellow that's really angry? I don't think so. Never. No, like a lemon. Yeah, like yeah. you get it in your eye. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> what, what about, about you? What about me? Yeah. What do you want to see that's invisible? Oh, the wind. <laughs> fucking complete chaos everybody would have no idea what's going on what would on. it look like would <laughs> just, just be lines yeah like, so many it looks like darts just whizzing past your face <laughs> you just be like thank god it's a calm day outside <laughs> you had that locked and loaded you're like a wind I, no i didn't really i just thought That's all good. of a sudden uh so we're on episode five now yes segment one nothing to sneeze at mm-hmm Releasing uh, December 1st, 1995. Merry early Christmas. That's right. At Filbert's house, Rocco, Heffer, Dr. Hutchinson, and Filbert are inside. Uh, it'd be weird if he wasn't there. Um, <laughs> if Dr. Filbert Hutch- wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they were planning a surprise party for him. True. Uh, Dr. Hutchinson says that Filbert has amphibial glottal bloatitis. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Uh, he's sick and unconscious. Unconscious, though, because he fell downstairs. <laughs> Dr. Hutchinson then went ahead and took his tonsils out while Filbert was out as well. Uh, when mis- it actually makes sense later on. I wish they yeah, would have explained it, it, it at this point, but they yeah. didn't. Uh, then a mosquito flies in and bites Filbert. The mosquito gets infected with the disease, uh, and then it flies to the big head's house, and Bev eats it because she eats flies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she wakes up the next morning, she is swollen and oozing. Uh, Ed, she's like half of the bed, if not more. She's more than half of the bed. Her head is swollen to mm-hmm. the size of. Uh, Ed says she also has amphibial glottal blotitis. Blotitis. Uh, he takes her to Doctor Hutchinson, who confirms the illness and says that 
she has to take uh, Mrs. Bedekhead's tonsils out as well. So there was a reason for yeah. it. After the surgery, she unbandages uh, Bev, and Bev now has a new nose. Uh, there was a mistake, and Bev got a nose, a nose job. Uh, so she is so happy to be able to smell things uh, that she never did before. So she's inhaling everything. Yes. Uh, Bev leaves the hospital and walks around smelling everything. She even sucks a bunch of hot dogs up her nose at one mm-hmm. point in time. Uh, she goes to Conglomo to see Ed, and he is very attracted to her new look and her confidence. But Bev finds out Ev, uh, Ed smells bad and is very sad about it. She even she's They're kind of playing a little bit in his office, and she leaves him there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's still like four hours later. He's like, Bev, I'm ready to turn around now. Mm-hmm. She gone. Uh, so when Ed comes home, Bev puts a bunch of deodorizers on him. Uh, but it doesn't help. He, she tries to do it by like sneakily ninja style at first because yes. he like turns around and she's not there, but he has like like car air fresheners <laughs> hanging off of his body and yes. stuff. Uh, Bev confesses that Ed stinks and he tells her that he isn't going to hold back from her, her older back from a new life of happiness and smelling. Bev leaves crying and comes along uh, across a nose crisis meeting. Filbert is running the meeting, and Bev discusses her nose problems. Afterward, the founder, Pete, closes out the meeting. Pete is a tiny purple guy wearing a crown with a nose the size of a couch. He asks Bev if she wants to grab coffee, but not before he sneezes all over her. Her nose instantly gets sick after sn- getting sneezed on. <laughs> Isn't there a like a toucan or a parrot or something there that has like the beak as its nose and it's like got a runny nose and it keeps using a, a, a napkin or something? I don't know. Pete has a the giant has like a gross like oozy yeah, Schnozrowski. Yeah. I remember that. But <laughs> I, I thought that that was because I think we had an elephant, mm-hmm. Filbert, and then something else. Okay, maybe it was a toucan. She goes back to Ed, who is spraying himself with perfume. They go back to Doctor Hutchinson, who says that they couldn't save her nose. Ed brings her a box of nutty noses, and they have a good time with them. Wink, wink, wink. Uh, if you could get an add-on, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like Bev's nose in this episode to your body, what would it be? Does it have to be a body part? Uh, just an add-on. Just an any add-on? Yeah. Oh man, like a like a bird feeder. <laughs> On top of my head. <laughs> all right. Yeah, of all the fun times I would have with that. You had a bird feeder on top of your head? Yeah, you too. I bet. <laughs> You'd have a great time. Yeah, we watching me. I mean, you could have whatever else you wanted, but I meant... I think I'd go with, like, an extra arm. <laughs> You'd go, like, I think I would go with a bird feeder, too, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> an extra arm? Yeah. though One I th- specifically for jacking it? No, I no. I was thinking more of, like, there's so many things I want to do. Mm-hmm. At a time that if I had another hand, maybe I could do another thing. What are you doing that you would need three, four at a time? Well, like if I'm, let's just say for instance. Yeah. Maybe I'm tired. I hope that's what I was hoping for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's just say that like I want, I'm typing on my computer Uh and I need to, uh, someone texts me and I need to reply. Mm-hmm. Third arm can whip out and do the text. Can you? Do you think you have the wherewithal to be able to type a bunch of shit at the same time and also type off of your phone? Are you that like I can do two things at once? Though? No, because that's the, still the same mind inside of your body. You just have a third arm now. 
I would get and understand if you were typing, you were like, maybe take a drink. That also involves some heavy coordination, but not as much as texting somebody while you're also typing up a document. <laughs> That's fair. I also thought about like maybe another head. Ooh. And then like I could watch TV with one mm-hmm. and read with another one. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. And now I will give you that because you would have, I would assume, two minds. Yeah. Unless they're sharing one, that would be weird. Yeah. But uh, not as weird as episode five, segment two, uh, old fogey froggy. <laughs> we open up with the big head's house in 1961. Shows a young Ed getting ready to leave for work. Bev made him a platter of flies for breakfast uh, and he drives off. He's working at Conglomo and his boss tells him that if he keeps working hard someday, he will be the boss. Flash forward to the present and we see a much older, chubbier and more gross Ed getting ready and then eating his leaf bran that Bev has uh, has for him. She hasn't made it. It's just straight out of the box. It's just mm-hmm. like cereal, but it's roughage. Uh, at, and he works at the same exact spot. He uh, he called. He's called into his boss's office, who says that they have a new opening in the hot tub department, and they're going to give it the Wilton. Give it to Wilton, the mailboy. Mm-hmm. Which I love that they called him in the office <laughs> to know. let him know that the mailboy is getting it. <laughs> uh, so back at the house, Ed is moping around because he is now too old and past his prime. Outside, Rocco, Heifer, and Filbert are playing baseball. Baseball goes into the big head's yard. They all hide in the bushes to get the baseball when they are caught by Ed. He's dressed in an old-timey baseball uniform from, like, the 20s and uh, wants to play with him. The first pitch Ed throws, he breaks one of Rocco's windows and then the garage doors and then the whole front of Rocco's house. Ed wants to keep playing, but the rest of the guys uh, just want to get away from him. They sneak out to the comic book store, but when they get there, Ed is holding on to the bumper, uh, and they have dragged him all the way there. He said, you forgot about me, guys. Mm -hmm. At the shop, he's laughing obnoxiously loud, and everyone is mad at him. When they get back to the house, Heifer and Filbert bail on Rocco, leaving him alone with Ed. Uh, They play play a board game, and after Ed wins, Rocco nicely kicks him out. When Rocco goes to bed, Ed is in Rocco's bed, wanting to make sure that Rocco has his number. Uh, Rocco then gets mad and tells Ed that he needs to hang out with old people. Uh, Ed gets bummed out and stays in bed. Bev calls Rocco about Ed, and Rocco gets an idea. The idea is that they put on a pretend funeral for Ed. They all dress up, put Ed in a trash can, bring him out, singing the Here Comes the Bride song, (laughs) put him in a hole that they dug, and prepare to fill the hole with cement when Ed finally snaps out of it. He runs around saying... I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> then at work the next day, he gets called in about another hot tub, tub department position, but they gave it to Carbuckle because Ed acts too young for his age now. <laughs> How old do you feel? Uh, exactly 36 years old. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, I feel that 36. That's fair. I feel 36. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know uh, what age feels like, I guess. Like, I just, I'm just doing my thing, man. Well, it sucks. <clears throat> age sucks. No, I, I don't mind. As I'm going to be a year older soon, uh, I, uh, I, don't, I don't fear the age. Uh, I just don't. No. I feel young and vibrant. I think it all is, I would like to say, I guess, rather, 
that it's all a matter of what you think, like, you know, the perception of how you view yourself and what you keep yourself doing and keeping yourself active, all kind of like falls under that umbrella. But sometimes your body, when you're in your mid thirties or older, sometimes just was like, Hey, just a reminder, you might be thinking super positive, (laughs) but you remember that time you turned your head real quick the other day to look at what somebody said and now your neck hurts. That's the thing, you know? So that's, that's still a thing that happens sometimes. (laughs) It's a possibility. (laughs) Episode six, uh, segment one, manic mechanic. Uh, This came out in, uh, I almost said October. Yeah. We went back in time. December 2nd, 1995. The next day. day. Yeah, wow. Rocco and Heifer have tickets to see Wink Wellington and the Wing Walkers in cultural event of the season. Heifer wants to drive, but Rocco won't let him. Heifer asks if he's still peeved about the poodle incident. Uh, The car barely makes it down the road before dying, and Rocco says they'll have to push it. (laughs) Heifer (laughs) Heifer says he can't, so Rocco does it all by himself. There's so much packed into that one little summary right there is the poodle incident mm-hmm. that is not addressed at all whatsoever. No. <laughs> and then, but also, they're like, we know that there are anthropomorphic dogs that right. are like, you know, they, they stand up, talk, and they're humanoid. And then there's also We know dogs. there's the pet dogs like Earl and Spunky yeah. and stuff. I'm assuming this is a pet dog. Maybe he hit and killed or something yeah. or maybe something zany happened. And then I don't think they got but a block down the road. And they do just... not even you still see like Ed's it's they go past Ed's house and they're like at the third house and it's done. And they decide that it's a better idea to just push the car all the way there. All the way there. Pushing the car back into the driveway and walking or mm-hmm. getting the bus or anything. Because maybe he was hopeful that like, hey, if we get there and we push the car the whole way, maybe somebody will help us fix it. <laughs> While Rocco is pushing it up a hill, it goes backwards and runs into a light pole. Rocco is worried about the car. And as he says that. The tires fall off of it, and the soul of the car ascends towards heaven. <laughs> the car is met by the grim tow truck, who points him towards St. Peterbilt. Meanwhile, Rocco pushes the car to very last chance garage uh, to have a look at it. The mechanics are monkeys, uh, as they should be, uh, and they laugh at him about getting it fixed. They tell him it's not worth fixing and better off selling it for scraps. They call him a platypus, and Rocco tells him not only is he going to fix his car, but he's going to win the O-Town Rally race. Heifer and Rocco begin working on the car. Heifer is put in charge of reading the manual, which is in Slovakia or something along those lines. Uh, While Rocco is under the car, Spunky takes the tools and eats them. Just when Rocco is about to give up, Filbert stops by and says he can help. He has a diploma from the Adequacy Adequacy by Male Mechanic (laughs) Correspondence School. Which, for those playing at home, is the equivalent of being an ordained minister (laughs) online, basically. Yes. He says, if there's a job to do it, we might as well do it adequately. (laughs) Wilbert gets all mad sciency, but the lightning strike does not help. Uh, Then Filbert performs surgical operation on it that does not work. Uh, Filbert is about to give up when Rocco points out that maybe they just need to flip the switch under the hood that says, from broken to fixed. As St. Peterbilt opens the pearly garage door for the car, Rocco flips the switch and Heifer starts the car, bringing the car's soul back to its metal husk. The The car starts and goes in reverse out of the garage with Heifer in it. Filbert tells Rocco that he hadn't hooked anything back up yet, so the car is just going to go in reverse at full speed 
until it hits a wall or the engine explodes. This is like one of my favorite segments from this episode, <laughs> just the going through the, the right. course and yes. stuff. Uh, Filbert, he- Filbert and Heifer on Filbert's scooter, uh, they hop on his scooter and then they decide that they'll go through Filbert's checklist. Uh, they go, then they go after Heifer. After Heifer goes through riding a uh, train track and an abandoned roller coaster, he lands on the starting line of the O-Town Rally. Just as it begins, he is now determined to win the race in Rocco's car Rocco, in reverse. That's right. <laughs> Rocco and Filbert catch up to Heifer and tell him the engine is going to explode and get him out of the car. The car instead just runs out of gas after crossing the finish line in the in first place. Rocco, Heifer and Filbert get second place, even though Rocco and Filbert didn't start the race with everyone. And uh, so the empty car won first place. Mm hmm. They won second place, even mm-hmm. though they'd started in the middle of an alley and just decided to go. Uh, and then the car won a full tank of gas, which the uh, Vanna White type character fills mm-hmm. the car up with that gas. Uh, and when it's filled up, uh, it goes, uh, it starts going in reverse again and runs directly into Filbert's scooter and then into the wall that's right behind Filbert's scooter. And both the car and the scooter's souls head towards the big parking lot in the sky. And there's a segment in Talladega Nights where he is in reverse for quite a bit of time and wins a race that way. Uh-huh. Do you think that was loosely inspired on this episode of Rocco's? Stole it. <laughs> yeah. They were like, I've seen Rocco before. This is a great idea. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Uh, do all cars go to heaven? No. No. Um, do you think... Uh, all dogs go to heaven. Would yeah. they make that movie now? Would they make it now? Yeah. Do you think that that's still a, a viable story? Do you remember the movie? Did you watch the movie? Yeah, I watched both of them. Um, what about the TV series? No, no. I just, that was a hard pat. No, <laughs> so are you drew no, lines? There was no line drawn. I never watched the TV <laughs> series though, but I did watch the movies. Um, like is that too religious? Not religious. It was kind of more like. There yeah, was some was, very I hell pursuit. Like, yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't necessarily know like the concept of heaven and hell was there, but there was no like there was a god and angel entities, but it was never like this is Jesus very Christ. Very cartoony, yeah. Yeah, it was it was in the same vein of like dogs and things. It was like, like, when, like if, if like uh Bugs Bunny got you know axed or or right. you know whoever and they go up to he- heaven, they have the angel wings and all that stuff. Um yeah. so it's it's just very cartoony perceived. I I think they could do it, but I don't. I really don't think they would. I re- I just. I feel like there was a lot of. Oh, how dark and cool would it be if they did it with cars though, like the t- yeah. the like like Lightning Queen cars, like the actual like, Disney's <laughs> yeah. cars. Yeah, and they're <laughs> they, like they, all cars go they, to yeah. heaven. Yeah, all cars go to heaven, and it's Lightning <laughs> Queen and Tomater and all of them and stuff like that. We're going to heaven, guys. You probably sick. I remember there being a lot of like. It being pretty dark at points because mm-hmm. they were dealing with the devil and with hell essentially as well. The dogs were, so that's I think that's the part that we would draw a line in probably in today's movies. Like there wouldn't what you wouldn't be able to have the bad guy because I don't think that they would in a children's show. There were a lot of like dark, creepy like demon hell kind of imagery in oh, yeah. cartoons when we were kids and even before like mm-hmm. in the eight seventies and eighties cartoons. Yeah. And like Sleeping Beauty, like Maleficent at first, whenever she before she transforms mm-hmm. into the dragon, has like the big devil horns that kind of come out, and then she transforms. Pinocchio and gets pretty dark. Pinocchio gets dark. Fringoli, yeah, fucking Sludge Monster. Tim Curry's Sludge Monster. I don't know what its name was, but that thing was fucking scary yeah. as shit. 
Everything's just so like nice and polished. Evil's and... so evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're all like evil. Yeah. All right. Uh, episode six, segment two, Rocco's Happy Vermin. We see Ed pulling a bunch of bugs out of the bug prison to put in his peanut butter sandwich. Delicious. He also has Flecko, who won't let go of Ed, so Ed puts him in his drink instead. Ed goes to drink him after his snack, but Flecko escapes through a kitchen drain, but not before churning the, not before churning the garbage disposal on Ed's tongue. Uh, which is just horrible imagery because it actually drips a little bit of blood at the end of it after it like rips off and it yeah. has like the like a bang effect almost looking on on the the end of the tongue yeah. what's left there. Uh, Flecko makes his way to Rocco's house through the drain and he sees Rocco being kind to another bug. Flecko goes back to the big heads and breaks all the other bugs out of the the bug prison and leads them to Rocco's. The next day, Rocco wakes up to a kitchen full of bugs partying. Rocco asks them all to leave, but they laugh at him. Uh, Ed wakes up and heads down to breakfast, but he finds that all of his bugs have now escaped. He goes over to Rocco's to ask for some butter when Rocco tells him about the bugs. Ed offers to get rid of them for him, but Rocco doesn't want the bugs hurt, so Ed says he'll send them to a camp. Wink. <laughs> the bugs all see Ed and scatter, but Ed has his bug vac and sucks them all up. Ed leaves with the bag full of bugs, but Flecko stays behind. I don't like the imagery of the bag of bugs because it's like droopy and almost like it's moist or something like that. But <laughs> it's just full of bugs. But whenever you see it like sagging, whenever he's walking and stuff, it actually makes like a. It reminds me of Oogie noise. Boogie. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he was gross. too. He's just a sack full of bugs. Yeah, true. <laughs> Rocco captures Flecko and takes him over to the big heads to take him to camp. Flecko writes on the fogged glass of the jar that Ed is going to eat the bugs, and Rocco lets Flecko out to stop Ed. Flecko attacks Ed and ends up pushing the piano on top of Ed even. Rocco tells Ed that he's going to take the bugs back to his house, but before he can leave, Bev stops him. Rocco says that he would like to eat some of the bugs, so he takes a handful, and I don't like this imagery either, uh, he takes a handful after handful out of the bag and puts them in his mouth, but not chewing. Uh, as we can even see him, like, inside of his mouth kind of dancing and partying around and stuff. But <laughs> on the outside, it looks like that sack. But it makes him more He empties the bag into the leaves, spitting out all the bugs at once he gets to his bathroom. I think I remember Flecko saying, like, hey, bud, it wasn't a peach for us either. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Since Rocco saved all the bugs from the big heads, they've decided to leave him alone and go on a Caribbean cruise like Rocco had suggested in the first place Yay. the end so what is we got to see flecko for a second time yeah here. uh so what is your favorite guest star on rocco's modern life so far we've had some reoccurring characters and not even just reoccurring but just some some good guest stars not the main cast of the big heads rocco filbert heifer and dr uh, hutchinson Spunky. you have her on the list here is she even considered a guest star at this point? She's been in so many episodes think, now. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's not. I was. I mean, I guess technically because she's not like in every episode yeah. like the other ones are, but she's been in quite a few. She's now. not main cast. No. Uh, I have always been a huge fan of the Chameleon Brothers. So yeah. I think those are probably my uh, creme de la creme. That's your your go to. I like them a lot. Yeah. I think they're stupid they i mean they're they're a chameleon of a character like they get to kind of fit in wherever mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot that they can do um it, it is a hard and hard one i would definitely say and did we point out the last time i'm sorry whenever we no, were when we were 
we talked about them having the coffee house um, when every single time they start the story that they change their voice completely. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't know if remember if we mentioned that, yeah. but I that's that's like one of my favorites. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh. They go into narrator mode. Yeah, it's just like, here we go, I'm telling you the story. A long time ago. Yeah. And it just gets super serious. Right. <laughs> I would have to say that Gordon's probably my favorite at this point because he's so random. Gordon the foot uh, is just like... It's he's only yeah, showed up two or three times. I was gonna say it's like two times I yeah. think total now, and we're in season three. Yeah, he's just it's really random. Yeah, <laughs> and the last time he was he was just like playing the missing leg from the ghost guy, whatever his name yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, podcast day is a very dangerous day. This has been IFNZ Production.